Good morning, everyone. People are so sad today, aren't they? What's the matter, y'all? The summer ending? That's what it is. <laughs> Everybody on vacation, they like they probably said, two more weeks, I'm tired of this. We, we don't want to come back. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for seasons of life, Lord. You, you're still faithful, Lord. You still load us daily with benefits, Lord. You don't withhold any good thing from those who walk up right before you. And so, Lord, we love you, Lord. We, we honor you on this day, Lord. We pray that we could hear your voice louder than all the other things in the world. The world's always got us preoccupied with Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and whatever else, the threads and all the new things that come our way, Lord, to just keep us away from keeping our mind stayed on you, Lord. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you give us wisdom in the days we live in, Lord. Um, your word, it can be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path if we apply it and we allow it to rule and reign in our hearts. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that speak to us. Lord, we need you. We so desperately need you in the days we live in. Lord, um, bound the enemy, Lord, who tries to discourage us and gives us all kind of thoughts. Lord, he tries to throw away fiery darts. Lord, I pray, Lord. You speak to us this morning, this morning, Lord. Um, and as David prayed, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, I do pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. amen. If you have a Bible, turn with us. Can you cut this mic up some? Turn with us to um, Mark chapter um, 3. Down a little bit. But Mark chapter 3, verse um, 13 through 19 it says and he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted and they came to him then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that they might and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons Simon to whom he gave the name Peter James the son of Zebedee and John the brother of James to whom he gave the name Barganese, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him, and they went into a house. Now, we've been reading this for about six, seven, six weeks at least. I'm thinking, yes, yeah, six weeks. No, more than that. Yes, yeah, seven now. Yeah, seven weeks. So y'all should know this by heart. You know, y'all should know this by heart. You know, he went up on a mountain and called, you know, it's the Greek word proskello to, to call. It, it's the middle voice. Is, it, it means to call toward oneself. So he calls them, he summons and he invites them to himself, to him, those he himself wanted. So look, if you know Jesus Christ, you're not an unwanted child. He wanted you. You were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And the Bible says in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So if, he, if you know Jesus, you're not a mistake. You're just not a mistake. Those he himself wanted, and they came to him because we, he wanted us. He called all of us. We came to him by faith. 
not knowing what to expect. You know, we came, you know, you can give life to Christ. You don't really know what you signed up for. You say, all right, Lord, here I am. He chose you, but you didn't know he chose you until you responded to the choosing. And then that way you say, okay, who's right? Do you have to call on the name of the Lord to be saved? Or did he choose you to be saved? Both are right scripturally. He chose us, and then we realized we was chosen after we responded to the call. And so that's how we became Christians. We realized, all right, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Lord, forgive me of my sins and repent of our sins. And then we end up being, you know, all that he wants us to be in that sense, you know. So he called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. He wanted them, you know, they came to him. He desires that all men come to the saving knowledge of the truth. He wanted them, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12. Then he appointed. He appointed, you know, it means to make or to manufacture or construct. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. So all those other things before we say, I want to preach. I want to do this. I want to do that. No, Jesus wants us to himself first. He loves us more than, look, he loves the worker more than the work. And sometimes we think he loves the worker more than, you know, the work more than he loves us. No, no, it don't work like that. He loves us more than what we could ever do or ever try to attempt to do. He loves us more. He loves us more. I've been in the ministry a long time, and I realized over the years, you could do a lot of stuff, and he don't really have nothing to do with it. Because you could just be busy doing stuff, and you're like, and then you're worn out, you're mad, you're tired, you know, and he's just saying, oh, I just showed you how much you need me, that's why. And that's why people say, well, I'm burned out and ain't a minister. I'm saying, well, hold up. You must be serving the wrong Lord because he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So when somebody says, I'm burned out during this stuff, I'm like, hold up. No, I want to be like burned in, like on fire still for the Lord in, in the sense where my heart is still like something is still burning. And he called these guys. Then he sent them out to preach and to have power. This is not power, dunamis power. This is exousia power, delegated authority. Almost like an authority over, over a jurisdiction. He says, and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. And this is Simon to whom he gave the name Peter. Because look, Peter's name wasn't Peter. Jesus called, named him Peter. His name was Simon. A, a variation of Simeon, you know, Simon, Simeon. Remember the game, Simon Says? You know, Simon Says, kick the kid, you know, or something. You know. <laughs> the kid said, no, Simon didn't say that. <clears throat> you know. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, they the sons of thunder, you know, because remember, when you look at James' life, Acts chapter you know, 12, you know, he's the first one martyred, Herod Antipas. He's martyred first. Then John, he outlived all the other apostles. The church fathers would say he suffered the martyrdom of long life. He outlived, John lived almost to be about 100. Was thrown into a hot, boiling oil, a cauldron, you know. They made him drink, you know, tradition says they made him drink poison and it didn't kill him. You know, he writes the Gospel of John. He writes, you know, 
1 John, 2 John, 3 John, he writes the revelation of Christ. It's not the book of revelations, plural, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. John wrote that. And so John is on this list. He says, and Andrew, Andrew was like the little fish that takes, you know, to catch the big fish. He led his brother to Christ. We found the Messiah. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, who is Nathaniel. Last week we looked at Matthew. Remember Matthew, the tax collector? And this week we're going to look at and Thomas. Now we're going to look at another one of the 12, another one of the apostles, another one of the 12 disciples. In the King James Version of the Bible, I teach from the New King James, Thomas is mentioned 12 times in the New Testament. He's listed among the 12, you know, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 3, in Mark chapter 3, verse 18 here, in Luke chapter 6, verse 15, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 13. But in the Gospel of John, which is interesting, he's mentioned more than any other book. Because the other books just mention his name. You know, Mark mentions his name here. You know, Matthew chapter 10, you know, um, 3, verse 3, he mentions his name. Luke just mentions his name in Luke 6, 15. In Acts, who Luke wrote the book of Acts as well, in Acts chapter 1, verse 13, he just mentions Thomas' name. But John mentions who he really was. And, you know, eight times John mentions Thomas. He's also called Didymus in the Gospel of John. Didymus in John chapter 11, verse 16. In John chapter 20, verse 24. And in John chapter 21, verse 2, he's called Didymus, which is, Didymus is the Greek name for Thomas and the word twin. You know, twin, two, you know. You know, twins like, like Esau and Jacob, you know, twins. You know, the Bible speaks of that twins. And he's always listed in an interesting place. He's mentioned on all the lists, all four times. Matthew's a list. He's mentioned not seventh. Mark and Luke's list, he's always mentioned eighth. In the book of Acts, for some reason, he gets up promotion or something. He's listed number six. And then you know, after Philip and before Bartholomew and then Matthew goes down one. So he's listed at number six. But in most cases, he's mentioned with Matthew. Now, and I read all these different books. You know, you can get all these different books. John Phillips, you know, New, New Testament people of the New Testament. You know, John MacArthur got a book you know, the 12 you know, disciples of Jesus and so forth, all these different books. And I read them all, you know, because all of them have different good stuff. And then some stuff is conjecture. Some stuff is some guy studied and he got found something and he read it and it was written somewhere by somebody, not necessarily scriptural, not necessarily un, 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 untrue, but it wasn't biblical canonized truth in the sense that we say this is absolute. So you can't be dogmatic with certain things you read, but you can't just believe everything you read. Y'all get that? You know, because one writer said, well, you know, you know, he was listed with Matthew because they called him Didymi, and they called him Didymi because Didymi means twin, and him and Matthew was twins. Well, you don't know that. If they were twins, he was the one that wasn't backslidden. Matthew went out and you know, worked for the Roman government. Some says that he was brothers of James, the son of Alphaeus, and Matthew. All three of them was brothers. It doesn't say that in the Bible. 
But I mean, people, I like reading stuff. You know, Thomas was like cautious. He was kind of this cautious, but somewhat committed in a sense. You know how you get saved? You, you believe in the Lord and you say, I believe in the Lord, but I don't trust nobody. Any of y'all ever been like that? I don't trust him. I got saved. I ain't trust nobody. You know, you go to church, you look around, you start seeing these church people. You say, I don't know about these people here. Look at them. And you start, they, they investigating you, but you're really investigating them even more. <laughs> look at how he looked. Oh, look how she did. Look how the usher agreed to you. Oh, this is a strange place, you know. Well, it's strange because I just walked in the door. <laughs> I was strange too, you know. And it's interesting how, like, Thomas would have been one of those kind of people. You could trust him to think things through. But then when he didn't understand it, he's ah, oh, no, 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 no. You know, I, I don't, uh, you know, it, it's almost like he had the twin living in him, a twin heart, a two hearts. Because it's, it's almost like you had that, all of us have it, twin hearts. Because we have the heart of belief and the heart of unbelief based on certain circumstances. All of us have it. You know, Archbishop Trench saw a correlation between Thomas being called twin and being, you know, twin-minded. And I think it's interesting. There, there's a set of twins in all of us. You know, one day you say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. And then you drive and somebody swerve in front of you. You better, you, cur you know, curse you. said, I didn't mean to say that. I said, wasn't that the same girl on the worship team? i never forget the story that Maurice told me. He'll be here second service. He told me that one day this person was driving so slow in front of him. He said, I wanted to blow my horn so bad. And he, said, and he was like, and it was this lady. So she was just driving me nice. Something kept saying, don't blow your horn. When he got to work, it was his supervisor. It was his supervisor. I was looking at this one story where this old lady standing by the side of a road and her car broke down. And these two young, you know, hipsters, they walk by, starting this new job. They got a new boss, CEO coming in that day. And he was going to talk to them about their bonus checks. And so they walk in, and the lady on the side of the road, and, and, and the lady said, could y'all please help me? And the guy said, are you kidding me? Help her. You know, look, I'm not going to be late to hear about no bonus checks. And the girl said, no, we got to help her. We got to help her. And they end up helping the guy ended up going to work. He made it and got into the board meeting, everybody there. And he said, well, where's the girl? Where's Lindsay? He said, oh, she went out and helped some old lady out there. She don't care nothing about this company. And they sit down there, and the girl walks two miles to get this lady some gas. And they pour the gas in the car, and, and, then, and then the lady starts the car, whoom, and it starts. She says, wow, this is, she says, wow, this, is, this was the problem. I needed gas. And then the girl was going to walk to work late. And the lady said, I insist that you get into this car. She lets the girl out about a block. She says, well, let me out about a block off, a quarter block off. She walks. She goes into the boardroom late, and the guy says, there she goes. She could care less about the job. And the guy was like, the CEO was like, I got a promotion coming. I'm going to give this a lucrative promotion. And it's interesting that as he was telling them about the promotion, he's, and the guy was like, well, I, know, I know I'm going to get this because I'm like better than all these people in here. And then the CEO, this old frail woman, walks in the door. And he says, Mom, what are you doing here? 
He said, you didn't do it, Mom. He, she brought him his favorite lunch, chicken parm and potato salad. And she said, I had to get it. She said, but with delayed everything, my car broke down. And this is her, that girl right there. She helped me. And then he said, oh, I know who's getting promoted around here. Not only is your resume impeccable, your character is too. You're not a double-minded person. You care about people. You're not a trickery. You're not filled with trickery. You're nice to some people because you think they got titles or positions, but somebody that you don't think is worth much, you just throw them on the side. And it's interesting that there are people like that, sad to say, in the body of Christ, that they twin-hearted, two-hearted. It's like duplicity, you know? They don't want to help somebody that they think could help their cause. And, and, you know, John, the Apostle John, we should thank God for John. As an old man, somehow the Holy Spirit used him to pen more detail about these apostles than anybody else. So, look, if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 10, and we're going to figure out some things about Thomas. So we're going to move around some. Hope I can get through this in a decent time, which I think I will. I'm not a long-winded teacher or preacher or whatever you want to call it. But let's turn to John chapter 10 verse 31 and I'm and we're going to go through this real quick so y'all can I'm making a point and a point only about this man named Thomas you know Jesus and John 10 the religious leaders are angry with him because he made a claim that he and the father was one and in John chapter 10 verse 31 it says then the Jews took up stones again to stone him Jesus answered them many good works I have shown you from my father for which of those works do you stone me? He just fed the 5,000 off, cleansed the lepers, gave sight, raised people from the dead. For, for which of those works do you stone me? Verse 33, the Jews answered him saying, for good work, the word good work means noble or beautiful. We do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, he was the God man, they had that all wrong, make yourself God. So they, they ready to stone or you make yourself God. Because in their law, for a Jew, you couldn't say that a man could be God. That was, that was you know, in Leviticus, you know, 24, 16, that was blasphemy. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, it is written in your law, I said, you are gods, you know. If he, and he's going to quote, you know, Psalm 82, 6, called them gods, divine titles, to whom the word of God came, the scriptures cannot be broken. Do you say of him, meaning Jesus Christ, whom the Father sanctified, you know, the Father set him apart, and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said, I am the son of God. I'm sure smoke was coming out of their ears at this point. If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, 
which he was doing, though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I, I, I in him. Therefore they sought, the, the grammar implies they kept on seeking, again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hands. And he went away beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first. And there he stayed. So he's probably in like a Perea in that era. So they wanted to kill Jesus, but he left there. But, but when he hears about Lazarus being sick, he returns back to the area of Bethany, which was a suburban of Jerusalem. And he said, well, what in the world does that have to do with Thomas? Look at chapter 11, verse 16. This is where we hear Thomas speak for the first time in the Bible. And they're more than likely in Perea, in that area, you know, Thomas speaks. Yet it seems courageous what he says. Hear about Lazarus being dead. They, you know, Jesus is ministering. And look what it says in verse 16 of chapter 11. Then Thomas, who was called twin, Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, because it was getting antagonistic in Christ's ministry, let us also go that we may die with him. He's not doubting here, but he believed that he's going to die. Isn't that something? You know, we could be in a place when things happen in our life as Christians. We know Jesus, but we always think the worst is going to happen. You ever thought that? When you hear something, you don't have all the details. You said, oh, this is, they want to meet with me Monday. I know I'm fired. Oh, I, I know I'm getting laid off. I heard somebody say they're getting laid. they giving out pink slips. I know I'm getting laid off. But we don't think like I'm getting laid off because God got something way better for me. On the other side of this, man, he must going to do something miraculous, man. He know I got this car note. He know I got this mortgage. He know I got tuition. He knows I got kids to feed. He knows all those things. And it's interesting that Thomas says, let us go that we may die with him. Some commentators say, well, this was really noble. You can see he really was willing to die for Christ. Hold up. That's not what he's saying it in that sense. He's saying like a loser. Oh, come, let's go, because you know we're going to get killed when we get down there. That's what he's saying it like. He's not saying like, oh, this is a wonderful thing. You're going to die with Christ. To live is Christ. To die is gain. He's not thinking like that. He's thinking the other way. And this is not good because I'm going to tell you why it's not good. Before this, Jesus, when he leaves, you know, he leaves this ministry all around. It's this big processional, you know, this funeral processional in Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 15, of this man on his coffin dead, this widow from, the, from Nain, her only son. He's dead, and they carry him out of the city. Jesus touches this coffin, and the boy wakes up. Thomas was there. He knew that Jesus could raise people from the dead. He was there. He wasn't there when, you know, when Mark tells us in Mark chapter 5, verse 41 and 42, and in Luke chapter 8, verse 55 and 56, when he goes in, when Jairus' only 12-year-old daughter was sick, she dies. And Jesus tells him, only believe, only believe. Thomas wasn't part of the inner circle that Jesus took inside, but he told the young girl, rise. She rise up and, and she comes back to life. So they all heard about those stories. 
So if I'm with somebody that can raise somebody from the dead, why would I worry about going somewhere and thinking I'm going to die? Why would I worry about death? I would, oh, death, where's your sting? To live is Christ, to die is gain. Why? Why would I worry about dying? Why would I be? He's there. Here we go. He's doubting. He's really doubting. He's like, we're going to just go ahead and die. I know what's going to happen. If you see somebody laying on the floor dead and somebody walked over there and raised them from the dead, would you be worried about death after following them? I wouldn't be. But we do as believers. We see the Lord did miracles in our life, miraculous things in our life. And you look back on his resume in your own personal life and say, God has been good to me. Amen? Amen. And in his goodness, sometimes we forget all about his goodness and we, we perseverate and we get fixated on the things that we see before us that didn't even happen yet. He's walking by sight and not by faith. He's like, he's with the Lord. He's with the Lord. You came to church and you get ready. You don't know what happened. Oh, this is tomorrow when I get there, they're going to get me. You don't even know if we might get raptured tonight. We worry way too much about the wrong things. And Thomas would have been one of those kind of people. Thomas said, oh, let us go. We're going to go, but we're going to die. It sounds good and noble, but he's not talking about death in the sense he said, well, this is going to be a wonderful thing. This is going to be wonderful. You know, we're going to go with him. We're going to die. We're going to get resurrected with him. <laughs> he's not thinking on those terms, so don't think he is. He's not. What if this happened? We, don't, we stick there and stay there. We never say, what if this don't happen? We always go to the one thing, what if it do happen? For Thomas to say, let us also go that we may die. It may sound that he was willing to die with Christ, but it doesn't add up in what he saw in Christ and who he knew Jesus was. Not only, look, they're not going to die He's going to also see a miracle. Look, he's, he's talking about they're going to die when they get there. No, Jesus is going to show them somebody that died that he raised from the dead. When they get to where they're going, Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead. And you would think, you say, man, man I seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. I thought that I was going to get killed when we got there because of the Jewish people. And they were after us. But man, we went there and Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes forth, and, and Thomas probably said, wow, this is under. And you say, Thomas got it. Now, he, he knows, look, next time he's faced with anything, he knows the Lord can, he got the power over death. Amen? Amen? You say, the next time this happened, man, I know God got me, because he already seen what he could do. But it don't work that way. <laughs> look at John chapter 14. Y'all know this favorite passage. John chapter 14, the first six verses. You know, so let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, also believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and where I am, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I go, you know the way. And he says, where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Y'all know that pastors, they sing at funerals, and, you know, they read it at funerals. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus says, because he already got these 12 guys around, and their heart's troubled. For him to tell them, let not your heart to be troubled, the Lord's Supper. Because their hearts were troubled. 
He says, let not your heart be, it's terrazzo is the Greek word. It's don't let your heart be agitated to, to cause inward. It means to, to cause inward commotion. That's what the word means. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Because he said in John chapter 10, verse 30, me and the Father are one. In my father's house, he's speaking of the heavenly house, and he says, my father's house are many mansions, is the word dwellings. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare, prepare a place for you. Jesus is going away for their good. And if I go and prepare, it means to make the necessary preparation for something to be made ready, a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself. And he's not speaking of the second coming here. People say, oh, he's coming. No, he's, he's speaking more of like, because if he says that we'll come again and receive you to myself, this is not the second coming. Because the second coming, when Christ come back, we'll come back with them. You know, you read Jude chapter, Jude is only one chapter you know, but chapter 1, verse 14, he talks about that, you know, 10,000s of his saints come and return, and, you know, in First Thessalonians. So he's not talking about the second coming here. He says, and where I go, you know, and the way, you know, and look who, look who comes out of the hoodie. Thomas. Thomas said, second time we hear him speak in the Bible. The first time was when we just looked at him in um, John 11.16, now Thomas comes out of nowhere. He says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. You, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, this is a personal conversation here. He said directly to him, it's like directly to Thomas. He's speaking to Thomas. I am the way. This is emphatic, absolute. <laughs> you know, unequivocal. He's, I am the way, the only way that seems narrow and, you know, I'm that way, that narrow path that very few find. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. Thomas was the first person to hear that. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. I, and I think he's genuine here. I think that's a genuine question. You wish somebody said, I'm going away. You'd be like, well, where are you going away? They didn't have airplanes in that day. Uh, you know, they didn't have like, and they'll see him. You know, could you imagine all of them watching him going up? Like, you ever see a kid? I remember this kid came out of the store one day, and the mom let, her, let her, uh, the little girl hold her helium balloons. You never do that. And it slipped out of her hand. That little girl was like, no. You know, the balloons go, shh. <laughs> and I felt so bad for her. And then, you know, the disciples, you know, they looking at it, the angels tell them, what are you men of Galilee gazing for? This Jesus is coming back in like manner. And they watch him ascend into heaven. Then he understood when he says, you know the way. I am the way, the truth and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father. He says, we don't know where you're going, but he's going to see where he's going. Isn't that something? And you think about Thomas, and you think about, like, man, he had this sense of, like, he was a skeptic in some ways. But he also had, like, legitimate question in another way. Like, I don't know where you're going. Because if you don't understand something, when the Bible says lean not towards your own understanding, that's one of the hardest verses in the Bible for all of us to apply in our hearts. That's the, and the more education you have, 
the more it's harder not to lean towards your own understanding because you got to kind of figure it out. If you don't know what to do, sometimes that's the best thing to do is not know what to do. And then you won't lean towards anything but the Lord. We always got to know stuff. And here, that's Thomas. This is Simon. This is Thomas. And Jesus tells him to his face, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Thomas, I'm the way. You know, Philip earlier said, show us the Father. He says, Philip, how long have I been with you guys? You got, you, where did you guys come from, man? I prayed all night and picked, look what I got out of the deal, out of these 12 guys. Can you imagine praying all night long and these are the guys that will turn the world upside down? Their flaws in their character, like we have flaws in our character. Do you know you got a flaw? Any of y'all know that? Did you ever think that you had, like, flaws? You know, like, you know, people get married and they look at their wife or their mate and, you know, like, even me and Charlene coming on this morning, we all got a little argument, you know, we're out in the church. <laughs> I'm like, you made us lazy. He said, really, huh? Let me tell you something, Buster. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Let me just shut up. Let's change the subject. How's, you know, how's the kids doing? <laughs> you know, and, and here, you know, Thomas is human. He's a human being, and I like him. I like him because he says, well, we don't know. Well, how do we know the way? How do we know the way, Lord? What do you mean the way? We've been with you all this time. Matter of fact, we're called the way. Later on, the church was called the way. How, what do you mean? And, and not after hearing this, you know, after hearing that Jesus saying, look, I'm the way to achieve the life. Some might say, what? Well, now, hold up. He got it now. Thomas got it. This is the night before Christ will be crucified. Thomas has it now. Isn't that amazing? He has it. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I have it. No one comes to the Father except through me. I, or I heard him say it to me personally. And he has it now. You know how we think we graduate from, you know, and I walk with the Lord? I got it. Lord, I got it, Lord. Oh, I understand. I'm growing in the Lord. I got it. Oh, I understand. Oh, man, don't give me that verse. I know that verse by heart. No, 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 no. It don't work like that. We're always growing in the knowledge of God. It doesn't work. Nobody graduate from growing in the Lord. Nobody. In the Ephesians 2, 7, it says, in the ages to come. And here you have Thomas. Look, Jesus, they're going to come and arrest Jesus. You know what all the apostles are going to do? They, did they go from apostles to be apostles? I don't know. But they all ran. You read Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. You strike the shepherd and the sheep is scattered. They all ran. And Thomas was there. They all ran. That's what they did. They ran for their life. After they seen Jesus do miracles and all this stuff, and I'm sure Thomas probably was chucking. <laughs> you can imagine Thomas running, and you can hear in, his, in the back of his mind, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, yeah, I know that's right, but I'm getting out of here. Imagine that. And then the resurrection takes place. Christ is crucified. The next day, Christ gets crucified. You can imagine that he gets crucified. He was beaten brutally. The Romans beat him beyond. Isaiah prophesied that his visage would be marred more than any. Isaiah 52, 14. And he was beaten. Isaiah 50, verse 6 says his beard would be plucked out. All this stuff is in prophecy. 
And they witnessed all the prophecies being fulfilled in regards to the scene, you know, of Christ. And, and, you know, the bulls of Bashan, you know, Psalm 22, about Christ saw darkness that we would have never, unimaginable darkness around the cross. Demonic forces say, I'm sure they were saying, oh, I wouldn't die for none of them. Hey, you didn't do nothing wrong. And he, and he, and he lived, and, he, and he's, he cried from the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And he cried that so we could never have to cry it. And they all forsook him. <laughs> they all ran. They were gone. With the exception of John, he stood at the cross. And you say, well, where is Thomas in all of this? Turn to John chapter 20. I'm going to show you something. On the third day, Christ is raised from the dead. John and Peter goes to the tomb. When they get to the tomb... Christ is gone. Mary Magdalene, God made sure he showed her first. But Peter, John outruns Peter. Peter, John wouldn't go inside because he didn't want to probably defile himself. Peter said, forget that. He goes and stoops in and look and goes in. In John chapter 20, verse 8, in the part of that end of that verse, is John saw and believed. But when you get down to verse 19, look what it says. Christ comes to them in the evening of that day. It says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, here's the resurrected Christ. Jesus came and stood in their midst, in the midst, and said to them, it's almost like shalom, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw, notice, the Lord. And did he show himself, you know, Paul said that he showed himself to 500, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, and to James, his brother James. So Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I sent you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, notice, receive the Holy Spirit. This is before Pentecost. They didn't receive the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came upon them at Pentecost. Here, this is the word, receive the Holy Spirit, is almost an equivalence to with, uh, in the book of Genesis when he breathed in, in Adam the breath of life in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. This word means he's breathed in them the Spirit in them. The Spirit is the E in Greek word that the Spirit breathes, receive you the Spirit, and they were, the Spirit came and indwelt them. That's what it's saying here. And then at Pentecost is the Greek word epi, a pi, it came upon them. That was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But he, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive, notice, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, called twin, one of the twelve, notice, was not there when Jesus came. So somebody asked the question, when he said, receive the Holy Spirit, did Thomas not get it? I don't think that's not true. I think any believer that believed him at that particular point, the Spirit came and moved and lived in their hearts. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord, verse 25. He says, we have seen the Lord. Look what it says, that we have seen the Lord. 
He wasn't there. It says, we have seen the Lord. So Thomas said to them, notice, notice what he says. Unless I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. <laughs> Is that in your Bible? He says, unless I see all of this stuff, I don't care what y'all guys talking about. You ever met people like that? Is he doubting evidence? He's doubting evidence. They said they saw the Lord. He's saying, well, I heard what y'all guys said. That's nice and all. Matter of fact, that's real nice. Thomas called 12. One of the 12 was not there. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. He said, yeah, that sounds nice. Matter of fact, that even sounds good. I don't believe none of that. He was just with the Lord. The Lord told him at least three times that he would be crucified and handed over to the Gentiles and the Jews would scourge him and he would be crucified. And on the third day, he raised from the dead. Thomas didn't believe none of that. He said, unless I see his hands, to see his hands, the print of the nails and put my finger into the print and put my hands in the side, I will not believe. And it says in verse 26 that after eight days, his disciples were again inside. This is a week later. And Thomas was with them this time. We don't know where Thomas went. Did he run so far away when it happened that he just, uh, was he depressed? I don't know. But Thomas is with them in verse 26. A week later, Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst He's walking through the doors. He's glorified by. He goes through the doors. We'll have glorified bodies like that. We can walk through walls and all that. We won't be defined by matter or gravity. And said, peace to you. Thomas is being there. Stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas. He's again speaking personally to Thomas, the doubter. I wonder, did Jesus look at people that got like two hearts and he comes personally to you in a sense, you know, through his word or through another believer somehow. And says, no, you got to know I am who I am. You have a doubt that he's the one who says he is? John the Baptist did. Is he the one or shall we look for another? And he comes to Thomas and he says, look, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving. Here he says, do not be unbelieving, but believing the twins that's inside of all of us. An unbelieving heart and a believing heart. It works in all of us like it goes like this. One day we believe him, one day we don't. One day he's real, one day he's not. One day we think he can do anything, the next day we don't think he can do nothing. We live like that. You people quote verses, I can do all things through Christ who strengthen me. And you know, God, he opened the red. Look, the God who opened the red sea. The God who said, peace be still to the sea and the storms. The God who calls those things that don't exist as though they were. And then in Romans, you know, when Paul writes that to the church in Rome, he's talking about in the context of Sarah, wound being dried up. And God gave her a son. The God who calls those things that don't exist as though they were. That's not that word of faith, name it and claim it, speaking into existence. That's nonsense. We're talking about God. The God that stood there before them, clothed in human flesh, that fed the 5,000. 5,000 men besides women and children. Maybe 15, 20,000, most scholars believe. They saw him. 
give sight to the blind. They saw him walk on the water. Could you see how dense our hearts are? We had the Holy Scriptures, the whole Bible. They didn't have the whole Bible. They didn't have the New Testament, all these stories we read about. For some of us, they become like cartoons or fairy tales. Well, I know Jesus walked on water, but look, ain't nowhere in the world that can help me in this one. Ain't no way. You know, look, I know, look, I know, yeah, I know. Look, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised Jairus' only daughter. He raised a woman from name, only son from I know he held the leper. I know all of that. Yeah, I know, hey, you know, he, he does all those things. You know, he, he can do all those things. But he can't help me out. People live like that. Thomas is a good example. Thomas is a good example. He fed the 5,000. Jesus also fed the 4,000. And it tells us with a few fish and seven loaves. And you know what people do right here? All, all the time. Well, I trust them, but I don't know about this one. This is way too hard for them. Truth be told, Paul said that I might know him. That I might know him. The power is power now. The fellowship of his sufferings. That I'm being conformed. The more you're conformed into his image, the more you believe who he is. The more you think it's about just coming to church on a Sunday, give him an hour of your time, just live your life like you normally do. You will always doubt him. You will always doubt God. You will always be a skeptic. But if you're on your knees say, Lord, I know you could do this, Lord. I know if I pray and say, Lord, we need this. Lord, I know if you don't do it, you're going to give me the strength to realize that I didn't need it anyway. And that intimacy with Christ. That's what makes people have, one, have victory and believe in God, and one has no victory and never believe in the power of God in their life. And we think church is the remedy coming to church. No, no, no. You can come to church till you turn blue. But if you don't believe that he is who he say he is, you're going to always doubt him. And Thomas was there. Could you imagine? He was one of the 12. <laughs> Look, he's one of the 12, you know, because you know, when he was walking with them. Because remember, he sent them out to do miracles. They were doing miracles. They were giving exousia power. They were healing sicknesses and all kinds of things. And, and they were like, Jesus, don't marvel at that. You better marvel that your name is registered in heaven in the book of life. And they, and they were like, you know, I'm sure they were at a place where they chest kind of, hey, I'm one of the 12. And little kids come, hey, back off. Hey, yo, Jesus don't deal with you. Know, I'm sure they thought they were somebody at some point. But then circumstances always prove to us how much we either know Christ or not know him. That's what circumstances do. When he got crucified, Peter said, I'll go with you, Lord, wherever you go. And Jesus says, don't be unbelieving, but believing. Because Jesus says this because he was unbelieving and doubtful. And we are at times too. Do you doubt the Lord and something coming up in your life today? Do you doubt him? I talked to a lot of young girls. They said, well, there's not that many guys here. I said, let me tell you something. You only want one. Who you care about the odds? Who cares about the odds? There's no men. It's hard to find a guy in the church because there's no. Well, I've, we've done so many weddings at this church. Man. I'm like, really? That's not true. 
Because you only got to find one. And don't doubt the Lord if you send one in. He said, well, he don't look like I thought I wanted. I wanted one of 6'5 and hair like this. And he might walk in like this. He'd be like, but he's a good man. Praise the Lord. He loves Jesus. You know, and we, we doubt God when he does stuff the way he wants to do it. We just want it the way we want it. And if it's not the way we want it, we just say, I don't want it, Lord. I don't, I don't know about that. And Thomas is going to come to the conclusion that he said, I'm going to see the deity of Christ. Look what he says. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. He proclaims the deity of Christ. He had to see the nail prints and the hole on his side to believe. Isn't that something? And Jesus didn't let him off the hook. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those, meaning us, because we've never seen Jesus in the flesh. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It's a greater blessing we have to follow the Lord. And he doesn't use the word believe in the sense like we say, oh, I believe it's going to be Sunday tomorrow. He uses the Greek word. John uses this word more than anybody in the New Testament. It's only in the Bible 250 times. John uses that word 99 times. Pistil. It means it's connected to the word faith, pistis, and, you know, all those words in that word. But his pistil is believe to have confidence in what you believe. You believe, you, you got to believe. I believe that you are Lord. I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that, Lord, wherever you are, there is life. I don't care. They said that we're going to die there. No, we're not going to die there. You know, no. I believe that you are who you are. You know, Paul would write, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Not I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. We can have all the doubt in the world on this side, but one day there will be no doubt. One day we're going to look at his gaze. One day we're going to see him face to face. And he's going to look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful for a few things. I'll make you rule over the many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. One day all the doubt we have is going to all come to fruition. We'll look at Jesus face to face. And we'll see him and we'll say, he is Lord. He is Lord. Is he Lord? He is Lord. And sometimes we don't understand how. How is he Lord in this situation? How is he Lord in that situation? How is he Lord in this and that? He is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord to God the Father to be the glory. He is Lord. How many of y'all know that today? You don't have to doubt him. You don't have to have two hearts. One day I believe you, Lord, the next day that's impossible. You don't have to be like that. You can be like, imagine being Moses at the Red Sea and, you know, and, and all the people yelling, oh, you brought us out here to die. <laughs> wasn't enough grace in Egypt, so you're going to get us in the wilderness. And then you probably throw everything they could think of. And Moses probably said, Lord, what did you get me to? Leading two million people, these are some hard-headed baby kids. And they just yelling and screaming. And, and the Lord said, this is the only option you have, buddy. Here's the options. Go back and go back and be Egyptian servants. Go back and fight these guys with no weaponry. Or trust me. And he says, be still and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand still. And watch God work. Watch him work in your life. Psalm 46.10, he says, be still and know that I'm God. 
Sometimes we got to stand still, and sometimes he wants us to take our hands off while we're standing still and say, let me handle this. I don't need your human ingenuity. I don't need your intellect. I don't need you to try to figure this out. Just stand still and watch. And you know what the Lord can do? Right then and there, that's when all doubt cease. But all of us got a twin heart, a two-hearted heart. We're one side of it one day. Oh, yeah, I trust you. And, you know, Thomas would end up, you know, it's all kind of accounts about what happened to Thomas. But most agree that he died in India. Thomas was killed with a spear during prayer. On, they said on the big hill of, of Madras, Madras um, India. And, and some believe he was killed with a spear on the incident of others, you know, believe that he was martyred another way. And you imagine he's somewhere praying and somebody throw a spear and thrust him through. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you can read and you just say, that's what some believe. But all we know this, we know this much. We'll see him in heaven. Doubting and all, we'll see him in heaven. Don't doubt the Lord. If you're struggling with doubt, don't doubt him. The doctor can give you a report and say, oh, you're not going to make it. I said, but that's what the doctor said. I seen my wife go through cancer twice, and I never, not one point did I ever waver and say, oh, I don't know if she's going to make it. I said, oh, the Lord got this. And I said, you better not beat me to heaven. But I probably shouldn't say that. That means I'm going to die first, huh? <laughs> but that's okay. I don't care. The absent from the body, present with the Lord. To live is Christ. To die is gain. You get, you get upskilled. You get promoted. You say, he just died. Well, really? Some guy died. He was like 102. And one of the guys came rushing into the room where they played checkers and told one of my guys here, said, do you know who just died? He just died. He's 102. And the guy said, yeah, he's old enough. 102 years old. What do you want to live to 130 or something? I don't know. Amen? Let's stand up as we pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for us. We don't need to doubt you. Can't make me doubt you. Like that old song, because I can't live without you. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're immutable, Lord. You change not. You care about us, Lord. You care about the things we go through, Lord. Lord, we've all sinned and fall short of your glory, and yet you're not ashamed to call us brethren. You're not ashamed of us, Lord. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would be with us, Lord. You would show us, Lord, those areas of our life, Lord, where we question you and doubt you and don't even believe that you can be in those places and be present in those areas of our heart, Lord. Pray, Lord, you fill us with the promises of God. Pray that your word, Lord, in our affliction, it's your word who's given me hope. And so, Lord, keep us in the hour we live in, Lord. You are the Lamb of God. You're worthy to be praised, Lord. We love you, we honor you, we praise you in Jesus' name. It is in his name we pray. Amen.